morning, Dr. John Crocker. Come on up. Let's give him a nice welcome. Thank you, Ted. Um, for Liz and me, this is Liz, my wife sitting here beside Brian's mom and dad. It is uh, a, an exquisite pleasure to be able to share with the family of Lakewood Free Church in welcoming uh, Pastor Brian and uh, Jen and, and Leslie and Bobby and Alan to, uh, to your church family. It, uh, it really is a delight to participate in this. Uh, as has been mentioned, I know, I've known Pastor Brian for a long time. <clears throat> for more than half of my 40 years as a pastor, we have been well acquainted, and served together, and uh, <clears throat> I could say that we're kindred spirits, um, except that I have a problem with his uh, choice in football teams, <clears throat> as, uh, as you will as well. Uh, so I can say, as I've known Pastor Brian and, and seen uh, into his heart, uh, that uh, if I were ever asked for a recommendation as to a picture to place beside Pastor in the dictionary, I would happily pass suggest Pastor Brian's. He is a pastor, and God has blessed you by calling him here. Uh, I have learned, however, that there is no shortage of opinions about pastors. Put four Christians together, and you're likely to get five different opinions as to what a pastor ought to be. Um, pastors are not a call not all cut from the same cloth. Uh, a pastor cannot suit the whims of, of all the people in every church. Uh, there is no pastor like that. A stable hand was bantering with a group of people that had come to ride his horses. And he said to them, you know, we have horses to suit all kinds of people. We have large horses for large people. We've got little horses for little people. We've got gentle horses for gentle people. And we've got frisky horses for frisky people. And for people who have never ridden horses before, we've got horses that have never been ridden before. <laughs> Each church has its own ethos. A good pastor who is right for one church, a good pastor may not be a good pastor for another church. And uh, this is why a church looks to God for guidance, uh, because they want God's choice of a pastor for his church, and that is so crucial. But there are some people that... Um, they want a celebrity to be their pastor, somebody with a known name. That's who they're looking for. And then there are people who want somebody to come and be a champion of their particular political philosophy or social cause. That's the pastor they're looking for. Then there are others who want a pastor to be 
the CEO of uh, their ecclesiastical enterprise. So, in the light of uh, popular opinions, it's crucial that we know what God says. Um, of course, there are also pastors who want to be the lord of their own little fiefdom. And, uh, you know, all of these different opinions about what kind of a pastor there ought to be are mostly a pile of putrid poppycock. Um, so, our text today is First, first Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. And I ask you please to take a copy of the Word of God and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, because we, we need to see what God's Word says and how the Apostle Paul helps us deal with all this witless tripe that tends to get around about, about pastors. Let's anchor ourselves to the Word of God. This is the word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Paul is writing to the young pastor at Ephesus, Timothy. Verse 11. This uh, is the word of God. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in doing this, for in doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Would you kindly pray with me? Dear God Almighty, we have opened your holy word and we recognize the authority of your word. We also know that the church is your idea. It belongs to you. And so we pray that as we look into your holy word about your church and about the people that you call to be pastor of your church, help us to delight in your truth, to make sure we understand it, and to commit ourselves to obeying it. In Christ's name I pray for your glory. Amen. In these six verses, Paul shows us some marks, some characteristics of an authentic pastor. This is a real pastor that we're looking at what Paul says about them. Um, and these are as valid for a pastor today as they were for Timothy in the first century. So I have no problem in saying this is for us, folks. First, a real pastor deserves respect. And by the way, you have this 
in your bulletin. You can follow along if you wish. Uh, a real pastor deserves respect. If God has called a pastor to his church, and that person is God's choice of a pastor, then the pastor deserves the congregation's respect. I'm probably going to say a few things this morning that your pastor wouldn't say to you. And uh, I can do that because I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to leave this afternoon. So I'm going to say a few things that are important, uh, but it's easier for me to say them. Uh, folks, there is no room for the attitude that says, this new pastor is going to have to earn my respect. I wouldn't want to have to stand before God and answer for that kind of impudent defiance of God's will. If God has called the pastor and you've prayed for God to send the pastor to his church, not your church, his church, you can only use the term, this is my church, in the sense that I belong to it. Not, never in the sense that it belongs to me. It belongs to him. And he calls the pastor to his church. And that's what your search team has been praying. And you've all been praying for, I understand, for two years now. So, the pastor commands respect. Paul uses a strong term here. Um, and by the way, this has nothing to do with whether you practice congregational government or Presbyterian form of government or Episcopal form of government. It's biblical. It trumps all of that. This is what God's word says. So um, I'll acknowledge that there are some jerks who don't deserve to be pastors. Power-hungry pastors who care only for themselves have ruined many a church. So, yeah, we've got to be alert. But you've already prayed and you're trusting that God has sent his choice. And this places enormous weight of responsibility on Pastor Brian. He has the responsibility to answer to God for being the one God has sent here. Um, the pastor, uh, Puritan pastor in the 17th century, Richard Baxter, wrote this. Oh, how, how curiously I have heard some men preach and how carelessly I have seen them live. And this is why a church prays fervently for God's direction and for God's wisdom when they're seeking a pastor to come and care for their flock. It's not a light thing to do. But please understand also that you never place a pastor on a pedestal. Pastors don't belong on pedestals. They belong on their knees before God with their face down in humility praying for the congregation 
that God is entrusting to them to care for. It's a huge responsibility. There's a story about a little old lady. You've noticed that most of the stories about little old ladies. I'm still waiting for one about a large young lady. It hasn't come yet. But this little old lady was saying goodbye to the pastor who had been her pastor for a while. And she said, I'm sorry to see you leave, pastor. I never knew what sin was until you came here. Now, there's probably a better way of saying that. But she showed real respect to a real pastor. Tremendous respect in that statement. She was saying, as a pastor, you have never shrunk from sharing with us the truth of God's word. You've given the encouragement and you've helped us to know what is wrong before God. What it means to obey God and to disobey God. So let's take a look now at how Paul tells Timothy, and to use Paul's words, to command respect. Verse 11, command and teach these things. Well, which things? This is a letter, and it's everything that Paul has written in the letter. In chapter 1, verse 3, Paul has told Timothy to command certain people to stop teaching false doctrine. Paul didn't say to the young pastor, now, Timothy, you might want to get alongside of them and give them a little suggestion. They might cool it on what they're saying. He says, you command them to stop that. And why? Because you're a pastor called by God to God's church and he holds you responsible. Therefore, pastors sometimes have to say uh, some hard things when necessary. Um, a man by the name of Robert Franklin said, when, when you are the watchdog, you earn respect by barking. And uh, a pastor sometimes has to bark and say, wrong, wrong. This is what God's word says. Folks, do you see what God's word says? L let me remind you of the truth of God's word. That's the role of a pastor. That's his number one priority. Not, not managing a corporation, but teaching God's people to love and obey God's word. Now, nobody in the church wields personal authority. I've known people who are very concerned about the pastor's authority. How much authority should the pastor have? Folks, that's not an issue. Nobody in the church has authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We are all under Christ's authority. We're talking about responsibility here. 
A real pastor is not afraid of people's reactions to God's commands. And that's why Paul said to the pastor, command and teach these things. Verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct or life, uh, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't let anyone despise you for your youth. Uh, how old was Timothy? I don't know anybody who knows for sure. If somebody tells you they know for sure, tell them they don't. <coughs> The term that is used here is naotes, and that was used of an adult up to the age of 40. Uh, I don't know how much younger than 40 Timothy was, but I can tell you that your pastor is past that mark. <laughs> <laughs> but he deserved, Timothy deserved respect as God's servant, as God's messenger. Paul was Pastor Timothy's mentor. And the issue in this verse is the responsibility of a pastor in matters that are affecting the teaching and the conduct. Uh, you look in the context here, that's what the issue is. Primarily the teaching of God's word and conduct as well. And so Paul lists five areas in which the pastor has the responsibility to be an example. In verse 12, he says, in speech, in life, or it's translated in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And then further along in chapter 6, verse 11, he says, basically repeating this and adding a little bit, but as for you, O man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. The pastor's speech, we'll deal with that first here, should always be true and honorable and gracious. And the pastor's life should be irreproachable. He should practice what he preaches and not be a phony. The pastor must be an example of love. The kind of love that Jesus our Lord said characterizes his disciples. He must be an example of faith. That's not just saving faith. The word also means faithfulness. Faithful in all aspects of the Christian life. And the pastor must be an example of purity for the church to look at and say, I have no doubt about the personal moral purity of our pastor. The Ephesian church needed that kind of a model because they were slap in the middle of the most debauched uh, society that you could even imagine. It would curl the corners of your soul if you were to know the kinds of goings-on in society in Ephesus. They needed a model of purity for the people. And so Paul told Timothy to command respect from the members of the church. He also told the congregation, this is what you need to expect 
of your pastor, both sides, the congregation and the pastor. Let's look at a second distinguishing mark, and that is a real pastor communicates truth. Duh, we've already been dealing with that. Uh, he goes into it in a concentrated form here. He's focused on the pastor's character to a degree. Now he focuses on the pastor's work. Verse 13 and 14. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, literally the reading, to exhortation or preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. A true pastor's life and ministry revolves around the word of God. Oh yes, he does other. He's involved in visitation. He may be involved in, in some of the physical aspect of things, but it revolves around the word of God. That is number one in a pastor's life. What does God say to us, his church? Nothing is more important in a pastor's life than that. And so this devotion to God um, takes place in three expressions here, God's word. First, the reading. Um, when the church met, they read the scriptures aloud together. Uh, and that's because uh, nobody had personal copies of the scripture. So when they came together to read, chunks of the scripture was very important. That's the only way they got it. And besides, many of the people were illiterate in that society. So the reading was important. And then the preaching or exhortation. This was urging the people to obey the principles of God's word. It includes warnings against false teaching, warnings against immoral behavior. And then the teaching. Uh, doctrine is the third one. They must know God's word so that they can recognize false teaching that insinuates itself sometimes very subtly into the life of the church. It may not be a major thing, but some people can take it and make a major thing out of it. They need to be alert to those kinds of things. In verse 14 he adds, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. A pastor must never neglect this spiritual gift that clearly gives priority to the word of God. The authority of the word of God. The principal gift of Pastor Brian revolves around the word of God for his people here at Lakewood. Now, one more. The third distinguishing mark, 
is a real pastor controls himself. Uh, a real pastor gives people no cause to suspect his motives or to question his morality. Verse 15, practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. So people see that you aren't stagnating. That you aren't slipping in your commitment to integrity. It should be obvious to everyone that the pastor is passionately committed to preaching and teaching the word of God. It should also be clear that the pastor in his own personal life still has a passion for it. That people can see his making progress in this area that he hasn't stalled that this is still what turns his crank the word of god um, and uh, in this their pastor should be a worthy example when menachem begin was the prime minister of israel he said when entering a battle there are two words no Israeli leader will ever use. And those words are forward march. Instead, the soldiers will hear, follow me. Israeli troops are not, are, are, are not sent into battle. They are led into battle. Pastors or leaders like that. They should live a life that they can say to the congregation, folks, follow me. And I'm not talking about major decision rewarding buildings and that sort of thing, but follow me in obedience to God's holy word. Verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by, do, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. A pastor must be especially vigilant in two areas. Keep a close watch on yourself, he says. A, a true pastor is a man of godly character and unimpeachable integrity. And that only happens when a pastor is keeping a close watch on his personal life. The story about St. Francis of Assisi. One day he was met by a peasant who asked him very respectfully, are you Francis of Assisi? And he said, yes, I am. And then the peasant said to him, be careful, sir that you be as good as people say you are. Wow. Church members, I know, love to say nice, thi nice things about their pastor. A congregation loves to say good things about the one God has called to be their pastor. Well, the apostle says to Timothy here, Timothy, you be sure you live up to their gracious remarks. And then 
the second area of vigilance is watch the doctrine, the teaching. Again, back to the word of God. He, he doesn't let Timothy get away from it. Sooner or later, the pastor who is devoted to God's word and never cheats on God's word, always holds faithfully and lovingly to God's word, sooner or later, that pastor is going to find that one or two people who come along dislike him. Why? Because the pastor is insisting in all the situations that come to mind, folks, the word of God is our final authority. What does God's word say? We've got to do God's word. And the ones who are going to get upset are people who are looking for loopholes so that they might find an excuse not to do God's word in a particular situation that they're dealing with. Paul says to pastors, persist in this, for by doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Yeah, you, we're not going to get into a debate on what the significance of the word save is here. But the point is that while a pastor is watching over the flock of God, he must keep an eye on himself as well. That's the intent of it. Even the Apostle Paul was vigilant in his own life. He said, that lest after preaching to others, he himself missed the mark. Paul was concerned about that. So folks, you have a new pastor, Pastor Brian. I can tell already you love him and Jen and their family dearly. Oh, please keep it up. And please understand, until Christ our Lord returns, these are the marks of a pastor that matter most in the church. If you turn to other things and start to formulate your opinion and your uh, view of the pastor based on other things, you're probably going to go astray. These are the ways to evaluate your pastor. A real pastor deserves respect because he's called by God to God's church. And he must prove this by his integrity and by his example. That's how you look at a pastor. A pastor devotes himself to communicating the word of God and never ever mixing an excuse to do something else that supplants the priority of God's holy word for God's people. And a pastor demonstrates that he has control of himself, that he submits to God, that he relies on the Holy Spirit to fill him daily and strengthen him. And it's evident in the way he lives and the way he teaches. So, I know you'll love Pastor Brian. I think you understand what goes both ways here. His responsibility to you and your responsibility to him.
Please pray with me. Our Father, we are so delighted when we see the evidence that you have spoken very clearly and your fingerprints are all over the call of Pastor Brian to this church. I pray that you will lavish your blessings on Lakewood Evangelical Free Church and upon Pastor Brian and his family as they serve together with joy and with obedience. In Christ's name. I'd like to bring up our friend Jim Anderson, who is a representative here as he's the director of the North Central District of the E-Free Church in Pastoral Care, and uh, he's going to help us in this installation today. Thank you. It is my privilege and honor this time to formally install our new senior pastor, Brian Erickson. And we do these things, well, for many reasons, but one is for longevity, because we hope that he and his family stays a long time in this position, right? Right. And we want that to take place and we want to do our best. If that is the case, God may have different plans along the way, but it's kind of for longevity. Brian, will you come forward? Brian, God has guided you, gifted you, and equipped you for this time in your life and this hour in the history of Lakewood Evangelical Free Church. I have a few questions to ask of you, as we did this morning earlier. We'll do again, and please respond accordingly. Do you believe in your heart that you are truly called according to the will of our Lord Jesus Christ to the pastoral ministry? Yes, I do. Do you believe that the Holy Scriptures are God's inerrant word and your daily guide book for equipping this flock? Yes, I do. Do you recognize the special burden of responsibility you carry for this church, knowing according to James, you shall, be, you shall be judged more strictly, and according to Hebrews, that you keep watch over this flock as one who must give an account of your work? Yes, I do. Will you guard your life and doctrine closely with the help of the Holy Spirit who, gives, who lives in us? Will you be unashamed to testify publicly of Christ our Savior? And will you do your best to present yourself to God as a workman who correctly handles the word of truth? Yes, with God's help, I will. Will you pray constantly and thoroughly for your flock, for the work of God in this church? Yes, with God's help, I will. Will you care for your own family, loving your wife as Christ loves the church and shepherding your own children in the Lord? Yes, with God's help, I will. Will you be an agent of God's grace to your people, loving them personally and seeking to walk accord among them humbly and authentically for Christ's sake? Yes, with God's help, I will. Now you realize that you've just committed yourself to an overwhelming, impossible task. That is, without God's power within you by the Holy Spirit in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, God's Son, 
uh, you're going to be crushed. So, Lord be with you. <laughs> no. We have a part in this as well. Without God's assistance and help, you realize that it's overwhelming. No pastor, no human being has all the skills, and if they do, they don't have time or energy to do all of them at the same time very well. So we are dependent on you, and you are dependent on this congregation. You may be at ease. In fact, this service, I'm actually going to let you sit down during this. And you don't have to read this part that now the congregation is going to respond. Would you take out that piece of paper, and I believe it's also on the screen behind me, and it's the response of the congregation. And please rise, knowing that uh, only by the congregation's obedience to Christ will this church, Lakewood Evangelical Free Church, thrive under Brian and the whole pastoral team. In other words, our obedience is ex very significant in this whole process. Our obedience, first and foremost, to Christ. And then, as Dr. Crocker said, as we follow the leadership of the one who leads us into this community ministry and beyond. So it's your turn to respond, and I would like you to take this paper and not crinkle it up and throw it away, but to keep it in your Bible, to post it in your homes, maybe your office, and take it out every once in a while because these words, these statements on your part are ever so significant for the longevity of any pastor or the church itself. Let us read together prayerfully. We, the family of believers of Lakewood Evangelical Free Church, Baxter, Minnesota, receive with joy Pastor Brian Erickson, whom we have called to be our pastor. We commit ourselves to participating with him in the ministry of our church by striving to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, by saying only those things that build up the church, by supporting him in our prayers, and by diligently using our gifts in ministry. We commit ourselves to provide for his material needs in a manner that reflects our respect for good spiritual leadership, diligent teaching of the truth on his part, and enabling him to give himself to his, this ministry. We commit ourselves to speak respectfully of him. If we have reason to be concerned about him or the conduct of his ministry, we will first seek to fully understand the issue by speaking personally, respectfully, and lovingly with him. We commit ourselves to work together to realize God's desires for our church, in our community, our state, and the world. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Now I'm going to call the elders, elders who are now serving, to come up and surround Pastor Brian in prayer. And I'm going to ask three individuals to pray. First of all, Jeff Dirks, who is the chairman of the search committee, highly likely that he has put more prayer and energy and time into the process that has brought Brian to us. 
And after Jeff prays, Kevin Close will pray. He is the one who represents our congregation as a whole because he is the elder chairman. Then finally, the long-term pastor and mentor, Dr. John Crocker, is going to lead us in prayer. But first of all, Jeff. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? Praise the Lord, O my soul. Let all that is within us praise his holy name. Dear God, we come to you in praise this morning. We come in praise because of the working that you have done in the church and in Brian's life to bring us to this point today where we are able to install him as our senior pastor. We just give you praise for the way in which you have worked through the search committee, through other members of this church, through Brian and through his mentors. And we just thank you so much, God, for what you have offered here today. And so we just dedicate Brian to the service of this church, and we dedicate ourselves to serving as well so that we can move forward in the ministry of your word to people in this church, in the community, and in the world. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just praise your holy name. We think of, of all uh, that you have created, all that you have done, all of your attributes, so many uh, beautiful and wonderful attributes. And the one that, or the two that come most to mind this morning is your faithfulness and your sovereignty, Lord. And Lord, we just, uh, we love how you have worked uh, in our, uh, this pastoral uh, search in, in uh, caring for this congregation, for bringing um, Dr. Porter and Helen to us at just the right time to, uh, to take us through a period to, to learn to understand that we need to depend on you and not on a man, but to depend on you and your truth. And Lord, your faithfulness uh, in uh, working through the search committee and the prayers of this congregation uh, that we held and, and called up to you for the, the man that would serve us. And, and uh, you have answered it in such faithfulness with Brian and, and his family coming here. And then as I uh, prayed earlier, just that special nugget of your faithfulness in having Brian's house uh, uh, go pending. Uh, just, uh, just another confirmation of your sovereignty and your faithfulness. And Lord, I just thank you for uh, Dr. Crocker and uh, the mentorship that he has uh, given Brian and, and the, the, just the, the fact that he has just... Uh, is, is so affirmed us with that, this right call. And uh, so we just praise you and thank you. And Lord, we just uh, give it all to you in Jesus' name. God Almighty, our Father in heaven, we know that uh, the love that you have for your church is beyond our comprehension. Your word tells us that you purchased the church with your blood. And uh, it's precious to you 
Lord, you see the church family, the congregation of Lakewood Evangelical Free Church. For years they have sought you fervently to answer their prayer. And you have answered, and we must give thanks to our great God. So this is thanksgiving to you for your provision. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this is really overwhelming for me, um, but uh, I'm just really thankful uh, to be called as your pastor and to have this time of uh, just affirmation for us and for me as well. And, uh, you know, I was taught as a little boy, um, I actually saw it on the pulpit of the church that I grew up in, walked up there as a little kid and saw the words, sir, we would see Jesus. And I want to make sure that I'm a reflection of Christ uh, in my preaching and my life and uh, I'm so thankful to be here and to be your pastor. It is a joy for me, it truly is. I can think of no greater response for us than to come before the Lord's table as we close out this service together this morning. And uh, as I think about the Lord's Supper, um, growing up in the church as I have, uh, having been a Christian since age six, growing up in a good Christian home, having celebrated communion in most churches once a month, which is what we practice here as well, it's easy for it to become rote, routine, traditional, uh, ritualistic, uh, even though Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, and we all focus on him during this time, sometimes it just becomes something we do uh, once in a while. And how do we keep from becoming that uh, for the long term? And one of the things that I like to do once in a while is when a new opportunity to see a new Jesus movie comes out, I go. And so with this new movie, Son of God, that's come out, I took my family on Friday evening to St. Cloud, and we went all the way there and uh, enjoyed a great time together just seeing this movie. There's a few things that I might question a little bit in it. I don't know how many of you have seen it yet, um, as far as just the order of things and when certain things happen, but certainly as they came before the Lord's table for that last supper, and Jesus broke that bread, and he passed it around to his disciples, and he said, this is my body. And as he took that cup, and he it filled it with wine, and he said, this is my blood. And then as he went to the cross uh, and died, the uh, most horrific death imaginable, not for anything that he had done wrong, but for you and for me, for our sin, for what we had done. And he did it willingly because it was his Father's will. I don't know what that makes you feel like, but it's overwhelmingly uh, humbling to me as we think about our great God providing a way for us, the only way, that we could possibly come to him. And that was through his shed blood and his sacrifice in our place. And it is that we celebrate as we come before this table this morning. So I would invite the servers to please come, the elders, and join me at the front. And uh, as they are making their way, I want us to prepare our hearts uh, for this moment. This is a time that's designed uh, by God and it's meant for believers, biblically, people who have accepted Christ. It is for all of us who have received him. Since Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, as we uh, quoted together earlier, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Really, this time is for the whole world because Jesus came for the world. It's meant for all of us who accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. If you're from another church, we invite you to participate with us if you've accepted Christ. There are children among us. If they have accepted Christ, parents, and you know that, then by all means, uh, let them participate if they understand what this is about. If they don't yet, maybe you could explain it to them even later today uh, and even just make sure that they have accepted Christ as their personal Savior. This is a solemn time, a reverent time. It's a celebration. Uh, It can be exuberant, filled with much joy, but at the same time, we have to realize what this is about. Jesus Christ. A body broken for us, symbolized by the bread. Jesus Christ, blood poured out for us at the cross, symbolized by the cross or by the blood. Let's pray together for the bread and for the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your willingness to endure the suffering, the suffering of whippings, the suffering of the crown of thorns, the suffering of the nails piercing your hands and feet, your willingness to go to that cross because it was your Father's will. Three times in the garden, you asked if this cup could be passed from you, but your Father's will was that you go and you went willingly. And you died in our place and your body was broken. And as we prepare in a few moments to partake together of the bread, may we think about your body broken for us. In Jesus' name.